Usually at Grace Road, what we do is we take a book of the Bible and we just go through it each week. We've been going through the Gospel of John for the last few weeks and months. And we just thought that this year at uh, Advent, we would just keep going through the Gospel of John. Usually we kind of focus on a little bit differently. But as we looked at the passages that were there, we, we really sensed that these big themes of Advent, like, the, like Andrea was just saying, that uh, one of the themes we're going to focus on is love. Uh, and <clears throat> so we're just going to keep going. We're going to look today at John chapter 3, uh, which is one of, probably one of the most famous passages in the Scripture. So we're going we're to take a pretty good chunk of it, verses 1 to 21. And we're just going to work our way through this and see what God has for us as we start out this Advent season and as we remember the birth of Jesus. So let's just take a look. Let's just dive right into it. Let's look at John chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to have it up on the screen, but if you've got a Bible, you can open there. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. I just want to stop right there and kind of go, like I said, we're, we're going to look at one of the, probably the long, one of the longest, if not the longest, personal conversation that Jesus has with somebody that's recorded in the, in, the, in the Gospels. Nicodemus was coming to Jesus. He was a religious leader, uh, as we saw here, uh, a ruler of the Jews. And, and I, I, I find it interesting that here, this first Sunday of Advent, we're going to see how Jesus interacts with a, a religious person. He, in, in the culture that we're from, uh, Advent is one of those seasons where we culturally really encourage each other to do kind of religious things, like, like we've done like here, uh, get, give to the poor, put money in a, in a, in a kettle as you're leaving, leaving the store, read the gospel stories. We, 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 we encourage each other to do things that are good, good, good acts, good, good deeds for people. Uh, and we're going to see how Jesus responds to somebody who based his life upon the good things, the good activities that he does, and how he brings a different light that comes from Jesus on the gospel, from the gospel, into the life of somebody who's religious. So uh, I just wanted to say that, and not that we're opposed to doing these things, that we've been actually even just uh, encouraging these, these acts of charity and, and, and goodwill towards all men. Uh, but we want to see how, where this comes from and how Jesus leads Nicodemus in a different way, in a, in a, more, in a deeper way that actually is answering the questions that he's longing for. Let's just keep going in this conversation here. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of this flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel at what I said to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from. Or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Uh, as Nicodemus comes to Jesus, he, he says something to him. He says, I can tell that you're from God. Here's, uh, Nicodemus is a man who, is, who was born a Jew. He was born into uh, a nation that considered themselves, and uh, even scripturally were pointed at as God's chosen people. So he, he as a person, was probably looking at a few things in his life, saying, I've kind of, I probably got this thing between God and I kind of solved. I was born a certain way into a certain nation, and I have kept the law. I'm an expert of the law. 
Uh, I know how far I should walk on a, on a Sabbath day. I wash my hands a certain way. I don't uh, touch or interact with people who have a certain types of illnesses. He has uh, devoted his life to becoming uh, what he and his culture re- really values. And all of that, relig- all of that re- religious work he's done has been based upon uh, exterior, external activities that, he is, that, that, that Nicodemus is an expert of. When he encounters Jesus, we, it seems like he's a little intrigued. He says, I can tell you from God, you're doing things and you're saying things that I haven't necessarily heard before or seen before. And Jesus says something to him that's very, pretty controversial. He says, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus has a kind of like a, could be a, 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 like a sarcastic response. He says, what, what, do I need to go into my mom again? Uh, when I, and, and Jesus says this, this famous statement that if you have to be born of the water and the spirit. If, when I was uh, growing up in the church, when, I heard, when I've heard this uh, passage many times, when I've read it many times, I, I often thought that this was referring to baptism. That what Jesus is saying is you've got to believe in me and you have to be baptized. Uh, but I read a few different commentaries. One was specifically by uh, John MacArthur. And uh, he, he was saying that Jesus was probably saying something that uh, Nicodemus was very familiar with. Uh, he was referring back, he's drawing Nicodemus' attention back to some uh, Old Testament scriptures that really pointed out uh, something that the, the Pharisees had really lost track of in their attention to all the things that people must do in order to be uh, followers of God, people of God. We're going to look at what this, one of these passages that, uh, uh, that Jesus is probably referring to that Nicodemus probably very much understood. We look at uh, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, and we're going to have that up on the screen for you. This was a time when Ezekiel came and when the, the people of Israel were in exile in uh, a foreign land, and they were, they, were, they were waiting for something. They were waiting for God to take them back to the, the, their, their home, the, the land that they identified with, this being a people of God. And this is what God says to them while they're in exile. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. At the core of it, when Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again, you must be born of the water and the spirit. Jesus is saying very clearly, Nicodemus, you need something to happen in you that only God can do. You need something to happen in you that your effort, your discipline, your following of the lifestyle I, uh, that I've given will not produce. Uh, and you need to be, this, he puts it in terms of being born of the spirit, born of the water. Having God come and cleanse, cleanse you, give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was having uh, breakfast with Derek Lewandowski. He's one of the Acts 29 uh, pastors and churches that we support. And I, uh, some of you actually even related to Derek Lewandowski. I think even Andrea. Andrea is, uh, is this her brother. So I went down to have breakfast with him, and I, I was telling him, I, uh, I'm going to be preaching on this passage. And Derek has a little different background. He's a little more Pentecostal. So I said, I want to just hear your thoughts. What do you think about this being born of the Spirit and born of the water? 
And he said, well, whenever I talk to people about being born of the Spirit or being, being, being in the flesh, he goes, I always put it in terms of a man rowing a boat as opposed to riding in a sailboat. He said, if I'm, rowing, if I'm in a rowboat, the, 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 I determine the speed of the boat. I put my, the, 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 the boat goes as fast as my effort can, can produce. Uh, the boat goes the direction that I choose. And, and the harder I row, the faster I go and the farther I go. But if somebody's in a sailboat... What they have to do is basically put out their sail, and the wind determines more uh, how fast I go. I, there's something bigger than me that determines what's the, what's, what's the, what's the pace we're going to go for, what's the direction we're going to go. And, and so what, what basically Jesus is saying to, to Nicodemus is the same kind of thing. Nicodemus, you for your whole life have been rowing your own boat. You have been, you've been basing my position with God based upon how much effort I put into this. How far and fast can I go? But I'm telling you that you need something that is bigger than you, something that you cannot generate. You need to be washed by me, a new heart, and you need to put up a sail and stop rowing your own boat. Let's just keep going as we see this. Jesus is basically saying something that only I can do, and you have to stop putting out this, this effort that you've been basing who you are on. Jesus goes on and he says, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? How can you say, I have to be born again? I have to be born of the Spirit and, 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 and the water. Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. When, 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 G, when, when Nicodemus asked, how can these things be? How can I be born again? Jesus responds with one of the big themes of the book of John. He responds by saying, you must believe. And if, you, if you're looking for something to read through from now until Christmas and just kind of prepare yourself for the celebration of, of Christmas, I, I would invite you to read the book of John. We're going through it. We're going to keep going through it. But we, we got, we, we, uh, the book of John is 21 chapters. If you would want to just take a little bit each day and, and read it, I would invite you to do that. And look, and, and, and however you may kind of make notes or highlight something, as you read it, look for every time that Jesus or the, the, the topic of belief comes up. And one thing that we see is that all permeating everything Jesus has done is this call to belief and repentance. When I was growing up, I thought that, you know, this sounded so easy to me. Okay, whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. But when I look at it in light of this conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus, this is one of the most earth-shattering, foundation-breaking things that Jesus can say. What he's really saying to you is, Nicodemus, what this requires of you is believe in me, and that is going to require a complete reorientation of everything you've based your life upon. Up until this point, you've been able to trust, how far can I row? How fast can I go? How much effort can I put in to reach this level that we have set uh, as, as the standard. But he's saying, I'm going to tell you, if you want to be born again, if you want to be washed, if you want to have happen in you what only I can do, you have to believe. 
basically saying, you got to stop rowing and put up a sail. And when you do that, what you're longing for, what's brought you here tonight, this, this curiosity, this I see you're from something else. There's something that's being stirred up as I see you move and I see you do things. I want what I'm hearing from you. And Jesus is saying, you got to be born again. you got to stop rowing and you got to start putting up a sail and, 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 and stop trusting in your own ability to please me or to, 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 to bring yourself before God. And suddenly I see that when Jesus, when Jesus says, God loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. This doesn't sound easy to Nicodemus. This sounds like something that changes and it causes him to reorient everything. And this is one of those, this is one of those things that we're, we're saying, we're going to focus today on love. And this is part of the message that Jesus says to him, Nicodemus, the reason I'm inviting you to believe in me is because I'm couching this in this undeniable message I have to bring to you that God loves you. You may ask Nicodemus, why should I stop rowing my own boat? Why should I stop putting up my own effort to reach this God that I'm trying to reach? And Jesus says, it's because he loves you. He has come. He has sent me. I have descended from the Father because he loves you. Even he just says, he doesn't talk about I love you. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son, me, so that whoever would believe in me would have eternal life. And he says, you'll know how much he loves you from the previous verse when he says, when the son, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. He says, when you see me put on the cross, when you see me lifted up and you believe in me, then you will comprehend, Nicodemus, how far this Father, the God, will go to get you back. And, and, and you can trust, you can believe in me because I'm here with this message that God loves you so much that he sent me to me. And he's saying, you can reorient your entire life around this and stop trying to attain this uh, level that, um, uh, that you've been working for. Jesus keeps coming back to this. A few chapters later in John chapter 6, there's some people, Jesus uh, fed the 5,000. He miraculously fed a large crowd of people. So people came and found him the next day. And they began to ask the questions, what do we have to do? What work do we have to do to do the work of God? We're going to look at John chapter, 20, John chapter 6, verse 20. And he says, they said to him, what must we do to do the works of God? And this is what Jesus said. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. And he keeps coming back and he says, this may not sound easy for those of you who have based your life on something different, but I'm telling you, because of the love of God, he is saying, put up a sail and believe in me. And it changed everything, okay? We're going to keep going on because Jesus keeps, he, he keeps elaborating on this. He, he, he keeps talking to Nicodemus. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to, in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in me, there it is again, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. I just want to point out a few things here. When Jesus says, 
you, I've call, I'm, I'm telling you that God loves the world so much that he gave his son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He's saying, the, 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 he's saying I, I didn't come to judge the world but to save the world. But this judgment that, that will come, men will be judged not based upon the activities they do, what, what good things they do or don't do, but the, the, the men will be judged on how they respond to me, how they respond to this, the Son of God who's come into the world, and it was lifted up, and, and, and this, I didn't, I didn't come here to judge you, but I came to say God loves you, he's calling, he, he, he's giving you me, so that if you believe in me, you will have eternal life, but now this is the basis upon which every person who has ever encountered Jesus is now defined. How do you respond to Jesus? And he says, the reason for that is that I am the light of the world. The light has come in. And when light came in, everything began to look differently. When, when Nicodemus met Jesus, he came at night. It was dark. And he, he, he was curious. He, he was staying in secret because there's a whole system out here that if I step out of that, it changes everything for me. But I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ask a few questions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dialogue with you. And Jesus says, I am the light and we have to ask ourselves, what does light do? When light comes into a room, what happens? There's two things that happen. One thing that happens is that whatever is in the dark is exposed. So Jesus comes in and he says, I am here, and now something is exposed. What's exposed is that men love darkness rather than light. And it's interesting that he's talking to somebody who's been living his whole life doing as many good things as he possibly can. And he says, men who, who, who don't come to me, who don't come into the light, they're showing that they love something more than me. They, they, they love more than light. And throughout Jesus' ministry, he comes back, back to this here. We're going to look at later, a few chapters later, Jesus is having another interaction with the Pharisees, with this, this, this ruling class of, uh, of Israel. And they... they uh, they brought to him, uh, in John chapter 8, they brought him a woman who was caught in adultery. And if you've heard the story, there's the famous statement where Jesus says, whoever's without sin, be the first one to cast a stone. And right after that, he, he, be, he keeps speaking to those, those religious leaders, and he says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, will have the light of life. And there's a little more dialogue. And as I go on, uh, a little more of a dialogue, and almost like a conflict between Jesus and his religious leaders, and then he says something, I know that you are, they, they say, we don't, we are the people of God. We were born as the people of God. Why are you, basically what he said, back to what, Nicodemus, what he said to Nicodemus, why are you saying we have to be born again? Why do we have to follow you? And, and he says, I know that you're the offspring of Abraham. You were born as a child of Abraham. But, but yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. And, and what, what, what he's saying is, I have come, I'm the light of the world. And men will be determined who, how we stand before God based upon how do you respond to me? Because now everything's exposed. And what he basically said to those who were religious is, I've come, I'm bringing you a message. God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent me that whoever believes in me will not perish but have eternal life. And when you see me lifted up, if you believe in me, you will live, you'll have eternal life, the life you've been longing for. But he says, you try to kill me, not because of what I've done, but because there's no room in your heart for me. My words have found no place in you. 
And basically what he's saying is, you're not stopping rowing. You keep rowing, and you're not willing to say, I'm going to put up a sail and let you, the work that you do in me, be what really I put my trust in. It's, it, he, he, he went to these religious leaders and said, I have spoken clearly. God loves the world. I, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I'll have the life you want, but there's no room in your hearts for me. And I wonder about Nicodemus. He came here at night. It was dark. He was curious about Jesus. He, was, he had some questions. He had a, a very broad and life-changing encounter with him. But we don't see any change when Nicodemus, after this conversation, Nicodemus leaves. It's probably still dark, and he, he, he's probably following Jesus. Maybe he was even there in John 8 when the like, other Pharisees were interacting with him. But something eventually happens in Nicodemus. At the end of Jesus' life, when Jesus is crucified and he, he dies, uh, we see in John chapter 19, two men came and responded. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate he may take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who early had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. So to see the whole picture of this whole conversation, Jesus comes and he says, Nicodemus, you need something to happen in you that only God can do. And the way you will respond to this is by belief and by, by allowing your life to be reorganized, reoriented around not your efforts, but me. Because I am the light of the world, and I'm exposing the emptiness and the shallowness of all of our efforts. And, and, and I love how when Jesus says at the end, he says, those who come into my light, it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So here's he's saying to him, what he's saying to him, Nicodemus, if you come into my light, all the work you've done up to this point will be seen as your efforts. But if you come into the light, the things you do, like bring uh, gifts for Christmas stores and, and share the, the, the gener- generously the things that God has given us, like we've seen you do over the last few weeks, when you, when you do those things and you're walking in my light, it'll be seen that, huh, really God's doing something here. The, the, the focus will no longer be on how good is Nicodemus, how good are the people of Christ Road, but it'll be seen that Jesus is really doing something here. Uh, and, and we will see the life that we've really gone through. One of the things that is, is clear here is that uh, as we, 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 we're starting Advent, we're starting this season where we remember that Jesus came. And we remember that people were waiting for something. They were waiting for the Messiah to come. And Jesus came into the picture and, uh, and we, in the form of a baby, uh, a helpless baby born in a manger. And we all love that story. Uh, I get always these feelings of nostalgia when I read about the, the shepherds and the, and, and the, and the wise men and the, and the baby. And, uh, and I, I love that story. But the Christmas story, in light of this here, becomes so much, it becomes much more than that. When Jesus came, what we're seeing here is that uh, Jesus uh, was beginning 
the, the, the greatest rescue operation the world has ever seen. He, he said, I came here so that you, when you see me lifted up, you will see that you will have eternal life. You are in darkness. And uh, I'm exposing the fact that you're even in darkness. But it, those who follow me, you, you, you will have the light of life, and I will free you from this darkness that you're in. So that is what we, uh, as, as we go in, as we start this, this uh, season of Advent, as we get gifts for each other, and as we uh, enjoy the, 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 the different aspects of this season, we just, we, we want to start out by saying, there is a God is, a, there is a God who loves us so much that he gave his son, that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. And that we are now invited by him to stop rowing our own boat, stop trusting in our own ability to please him, but allow him to clean us, to do the things in us that only he can do. Because he has, he has come in as the light of the world, exposing the darkness all around us. And see, we now see there is light, there is life. So I want to invite you to stand with me. Would you please stand? We're going to spend a few moments in worship. And I just want to give you a few moments just to respond, uh, to pray. It's not going to be too long, just probably a few seconds. And I'm going to pray and uh, thank Jesus for coming into your, your darkness and uh, bringing a life that brings life. Just going to give you just a few seconds to pray and respond to him. Jesus, we, we acknowledge you. And we, we are, we, like we prayed in the beginning, we came here because of what you've done. And we've, we've sensed you. We, we came like Nicodemus. We thank you for showing us this, that, that you, you have come to bring us life in ways that we, we didn't imagine. And we want to reorder our lives around you. We, 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 we praise you that you have freed us from the emptiness of trying to reach you ourselves and our lives uh, we our lives are different because of you you've cleaned us those father here who do not know you we pray that they would allow you to do the work in you that only you can and then that only you can do be cleaning us giving us a new heart filling us with your spirit leading us to put down the oars and stop trusting in our own efforts and allow you to do what only you can do. And when we see that, we'll be praising you and thanking you. We love you. Amen.